Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. This week's episode of Book Cheat is brought to you by Audible. Get started with a 30-day trial when you go to audible.com slash bookcheat or text bookcheat to 500-500 and listen for a change. Hello and welcome to Book Cheat, the book club podcast where I've read the book so you don't have to. My name is Dave Warnicky, and on each episode of this show we look at one of those pesky little classics gathering dust up on your shelves. And to help me look at that classic, I'm usually joined by two fantastic guests and why... Change it up now. <laughs> Joining me from 18 terrible guests. <laughs> I was going to say, two of my favourite people in the entire world have uh, the returning guests, and I'm going to introduce them to you now. From the fantastic Two in the Think Tank podcast, can I introduce mm. you to my friend, Andy Matthews? Hello, here I am. Hello, yes. Andy. Thank you so much for having me on again. And when you said terrible guests, you obviously didn't include yourself in there. No, no, no. So thanks there's, for coming still, back. There's, there's still 18 others. Yeah, yes. so, well, I'll tell you one that isn't a terrible guest. She's returning for the fourth time, the record holder so far for the person with the most guest appearances. It's Jess Perkins. Wow. That Hi. is exciting. Wow. She's, um, she's also the record holder on uh, Primates, we established, and she's hoping to unify all the belts yeah. by becoming <laughs> the record holder on all podcasts. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be the 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 highest number of recurring guests, but I don't want to do any of the mm. like the work. I just want a guest on podcasts. Well, if you can convince Matt to take a couple off on our other show, Do Go On, Jess, <laughs> then you'll overtake him on that because he currently <gasps> holds the record on that show yes. for the most appearances on our own show. What if I just kill him? Well, yeah. Dave did put inverted commas around the word convince yeah, yeah, before. Right. I make, won't yeah. kill him. I'll just make him very sick. Yeah, just make him an offer he can't <laughs> refuse. Yeah. With a gun. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to inject him with the flu or something. Oh, okay. You know? Mm. Some yeah. gastro. Yeah, you could do that. Oh, that's, that's no good. We, be... As we were talking about before the podcast, <laughs> we've already established the not goodness of gastro. <laughs> yeah, it's yuck. Yes, from personal experience. Yeah. And for everyone who missed out on that conversation, can I just say, yuck. Mm. <laughs> mm, 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 mm. But if you sign up to our Patreon, we have it all ex- <laughs> Patreon only tier. <laughs> oh, wow. The diarrhea tier. Patreon. Oh, uh, yes. The septic <laughs> tank. Two in the septic tank. Two in the septic tank. Thank you. I, I was like, it didn't come out, but I knew it was there, and then I just, I just bailed. There's something anyway, here. Thank you. But, team, thank you so much for joining me uh, again in the Book Cheat Studio. It's great to have you back. Before we jump into this week's classic, 
I've got to ask you, have you been reading anything lately? <gasps> Thank you so much, uh, David. I insisted that you ask me uh, before we started. And, uh, I said uh, yeah. I could ask if you wanted. You're like, please. Well, I've been reading books. I just, it's just that I hadn't been reading for ages and ages and ages. And then I was in that great situation where I, had, I was very sick and I was waiting for the doctor and there was an op shop just across the road. Anyway, the doctor, I ended up having to wait for three hours. What? But fortunately. Did you I have a booking? No. Okay. But I went and got a book, okay. oh. which is the next best thing. If you don't have a book, booking, have a book. You know what they say. You know? Uh, and uh, outside of a booking, a book is a man's best friend. And uh, I, so I went across the road and got myself a $1 book. I got Tim Flannery's Throw Him Way Leg, right, which is a memoir of his time as a zoologist in Papua New Guinea in the 1980s, and it's really fascinating. Wow. And for, yeah. and for, for a, a buck, dollar, yeah. For a buck. Yeah, dollar, book for a buck. Book for a buck. I'm fascinated by the three-hour wait time, though, but also conscious that uh, we'll get stuck on another tangent. But yeah. I'm going to ask oh, you about just, that later. It was, just, it was like a, it was like a, a walk-up walk clinic. Up. I was really sick, and then all the everyone else was booked up. And I oh, need that something. Sucks. Anyway, went and waited. Got there. Didn't have my Medibank card. Had to go to Medi, Medi uh, my Medicare card. Had to go around to Medicare, get a temporary card, come back. That was oh, a whole bloody thing. I tell you. Is I also it? got a haircut while I was waiting. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was one of the most effective illnesses, productive illnesses <laughs> I've ever had. Were you on call? Like, if you got the haircut, halfway through if the doctor becomes available, do you get a call and you walk in with a half-shaved head? <laughs> I say, sorry, buddy, you're going to have to wait, all right? They're doing the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most important part. Mm, mm. And did the doctor actually give you anything or was it one of those times where you go in and they're like, you know what, you just need to rest? You've to- got a virus. Total dud. I got, I got some antibiotics and stuff that didn't work and I was got sicker and sicker for the next week and went to a different doctor oh. and then got some stuff that sorted me right out. Do you want to know what I ha- what was wrong with me? Yeah. I had a... Infected boil on my nipple. Oh, <laughs> is this true? Yeah, yeah. How did that happen? Uh, yeah, I, look, I don't know. I think my immune system was very low after a year of veganism with no extra, like no, not getting any of your bees, of mm. your bees. You know, mm. you got to eat a lot of bees. Oh, yeah, you got to have those bees. <laughs> they're so hard to catch. They're so hard to catch and they don't like being it. <laughs> <laughs> But they really sort out your nipples. Yeah. And anyway, my immune system crashed, and I had a, had a had a an ingrown hair or something that uh, then got infected, and then turned into this big pustule thing. And that is really a horrible. nightmare. Anyway, this is real, real, real dark stuff. Anyway, some of the illnesses described in Tim Flannery's Throwing Away Leg are much worse, though. So uh, <laughs> it made you feel better by comparison. Yeah, exactly. A bit of literature sorts you right out, gets you a bit of perspective, David. Damn yeah. right. Which is what I'm looking for this evening. And how? Well, well, quickly before we get into the book, Jess, have you been reading anything? Last time I believe you told me you just finished a Kurt Vonnegut book. Is yeah, I had. That's right. Man, I, I love Kurt Vonnegut. I made a real – I'm one of my sort of resolutions at the start of the year was to read more this year because I – Definitely have the time and I don't make the time. Mm. Um, and I haven't done as much as I would have liked, but I'm I'm currently, well, I, I was reading and I haven't read for a couple of weeks, just sitting on my bedside table, uh, Billy by Pamela Stevenson uh, about ah. Billy Connolly. Read that a long time ago. Yeah. I seem to remember it was really good. Yeah, she's a good writer and I've, I borrowed it from my parents, so it's like a, a really old copy as well. It's kind of ah. cool. But I just I don't make the time to bloody read it. I will when I go home tonight. I promise. An interesting man, Billy Connolly. Big yeah, fan. big fan. Mm. Big fan. So that's what I'm reading. Fantastic. Well, I'll tell you what I've been reading. 
And that is the topic for this week's episode. That oh is convenient. That's perfect, David. Thank goodness. You know, that ties in really nicely. Did Thank you also goodness. get it for a dollar from a, a bookshop opposite a doctor's? I did not. Did you also borrow it from Jess's parents? It's quite old copy. It's yes, quite nice. that's what I got. That's what yeah, I got. Yeah, great. They're very generous. My nipples are fine. Can that be a, f- a follow-up question you ask all of your guests now? What are you reading and how are your nipples? <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I'll always announce how mine are. <laughs> yeah, my nipples are fine. Pristine, I think you'd say. Never had, an Never had an infection. <laughs> I'm so glad. Yeah, I wouldn't wish it on anyone. You poor, poor man. Because mm. that makes you, it's not just like owie, it's also quite sick, right? Like were you sickly as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I had no fevers good. and stuff. Oh, and no good. I was sort of all hunched over. I felt like a real sort of like 18th century kind of like, yeah. you know, downtrodden mass kind of thing. Me boils got infected. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. that? Yeah, exactly, exactly <laughs> that. Yeah, I started talking like that. <laughs> That's how they diagnosed it, actually. <laughs> yes, 18th century washerwoman. <laughs> oh, no, wait, I know what this is. Yeah. Uh-huh. I've, got, I've, got, I've got some erythromycin for you. <laughs> 17 leeches later and yeah. you're still Still over. terrible, still terrible. I died. Yeah, yeah, and you died, so mm. that's sad. But you look great with that haircut. Can I just, Thank you can so I just much. Say, yes. <laughs> All right, so the topic of this week's book, if I, I didn't announce it yet, did I? We are going to talk about The Catcher in the Rye, mm. an American coming-of-age classic. I love a coming-of-age. Which it turns out to be probably my most suggested book thus far, I would say. Really? So people are able to, and there's a link in the description of this episode, and you click on it and it takes you to a form and you can tell me what book you would like me to talk about on this show. Mm. And I knew that a few people had suggested it, but when I went back through, these are the people that have suggested it. It is international, I'm going to say. Tom Hinckley from Brooklyn, Gabriel Rios from Lima in Peru, Katerina Clark from Pittsburgh, Marty Grievous from Melbourne, Jake Fortier from Louisville, Kentucky, Neo Van Rensburg from Cape Town, South Africa, Robin Rosicka from Harrison Township, Michigan, shout out to Christopher Rath in Dortmund, (laughs) Germany, Patrick Burkhold, Omaha, United States, Scott Porter from London, Vincent Policastro from Little Egg Harbor, New Jersey, Emmett Drew from Chicago, Kyle Ford and Weir from Reading in the UK, Ryle Tuthill from Dover Plains in New York, and finally, <laughs> Elliot Holden Priest from Liverpool in England who wrote, Hi Dave, I've never read The Catcher in the Rye and would love to see it explored on the pod because my middle name is Holden and it's taken from the main character Holden Caulfield. Ah, you go, can you believe you'd never good. read it? I've got to tell you, every single one of those names was incredible. Right? Oh, they are amazing. <laughs> Except for Scott Porter. I'm really sorry, <laughs> Scott. But I think even you would have noticed uh, in the yeah. context oh. that you were... Dragging your feet, buddy. Oh. But everyone else, oh, bloody hell. Some incredible names and we've covered, you know, many continents there. They should all go into showbiz. Absolutely. I think mm. they should. Look at mm. Jess Perkins and Andy Matthews over here. Blech. I know. Duds. Yuck. Duds. Sorry, Andy, but yeah, no, no, you no, know no, you're no. a dud. I make myself sick. <laughs> yeah. We've covered every, the every continent there except Antarctica <laughs> and Asia. Absolutely amazing. So thanks to everyone that suggested this book. So it turns out to be, uh, yeah. Widely recommended for me to do, so I appreciate that. If you want to suggest anything at home, just click that link and tell me why, and I'll give you a shout out just like that, and then we'll tell you whether your name is good enough. Mm. <laughs> All right, so the catcher we in will. the rye. Do you guys know much about this novel? Uh, a lot of people get called a phony in it. Something about people being phonies. Is that in Catcher in the Rye? Uh, did that occur? To you? Did that come across? Yeah, phony comes a lot, and so does crummy. 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 Yeah, right. 
There's um, a character called Holden. Mm. That is correct. The middle name of our good friend from Liverpool. And uh, I, I think it, well, it's just one of those. It's just one of those iconic ones, isn't it? Mm. That's referenced by everything. I'm sure The Simpsons has done it a bunch, right? It just it just feels important, and I I've never read it. Nah, because it's also probably serious and stuff, right? Yeah. Well, Does it have? <gasps> wait. Does the guy who killed John Lennon, did he have a copy of Catcher in yes, the Rye right. in, his, in his pocket or something? Mark- did I learn that from Do Go On? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Mark David Chapman. Yeah. It's actually been linked to a, a couple. So it's, it's been a controversial book over the years because a mm. couple of violent acts have been linked back to the text. And yeah, reading amazing. it, I was not inspired to kill yet. Okay, but maybe tonight a, could be the night. Maybe it's a thinker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, in time, you'll want to kill. I did only finish it yesterday, so. Was it? Oh, fuck. I don't want to say this in case I'm wrong and I look like an idiot. Here we go. <laughs> is it written by, is it J.D. Salinger? That is correct. <sighs> oh, my God. Jess is winning the podcast. <laughs> Mostly because it's referenced in BoJack Horseman. Also oh. a piece of art. Uh, J.D., mm. Jerome David. Oh. And I believe it's pronounced Salinger. <laughs> Dave? Andy is winning. <laughs> well, The Catcher in the Rye, just to give a brief, brief background to anyone that hasn't heard of it, it's a 1951 novel by American author J.D. Salinger, or Salinger. Mm. <laughs> you be the judge. <laughs> His first novel it was an instant success and has since sold over 65 million copies. God, I hate people who have success straight away. Still sells about a quarter of a million copies a year. Work for it, you know? Yeah. Fail was, a bit first. I was hoping to have uh, success with my novel without even having written it at all. Yeah. This, you know, that's disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. First novel. Ugh. Yuck. Crazy. Then, then actually... If you're really successful with the first one, then there's a lot of pressure on the second. Second one. Everyone's like, oh, there's a follow-up, and then you're like, oh, my God. But then some people, really successful follow-up as well. Yuck. I can tell you that that was not the case here. Is he the one who didn't then write really anything ever again? Well, yeah, so he sort of published some short stories and then uh, one more novel, which is two put together, called Franny and Zooey. Okay. But he was an intensely private man. The author went on to be... uh, Quite a famous recluse. He published his final work in 1965, and he lived until 2010. Yeah, yeah. And he gave his last interview in 1980. Whoa! So, okay. Yeah, he did not like uh, any attention, but he did give us one of the most famous books of the century. Still widely read, it is also still widely challenged and censored. Still often appearing on lists of the top ten most challenged books today. Huh? Wow. Censored because it has a lot of nudes in it. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of nude nude. Photos yeah. of the author. <laughs> That's why he went to his camera recluse. He was a bit embarrassed, shall we say. They do not pertain to the book. <laughs> it was a oh. printing error. <laughs> the caption for every single one is, oh, how did that get in there? <laughs> 65 million copies. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's often challenged because of alleged vulgar language and other things including sexual references, <gasps> blasphemy, <gasps> Undermining of family values, smoking, <gasps> and drinking. <gasps> Scandalous. Tell you what, family values can get fucked. I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> we don't swear on this podcast. <laughs> well, we swear in the book, so this one we can probably make an exception. <laughs> really sorry. Well, this is the opening line from The Catcher in the Right. Just, uh, the opening words are, if you really want to hear about it, the first thing you'll probably want to know is where I was born and what my lousy childhood was like and how my parents were occupied and all before they had me. And all that David Copperfield kind of crap. But I don't feel like going into it, if you want to know the truth. End quote. 
That's a great opening line. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. It sets up a tone, doesn't it? Yeah. And that tone yeah. continues throughout the entire book. Which, which, one thing that really attracted me to the book is you could always, you never slipped out of that tone. Yeah, right. It's very cynical, very, very dismissive. Very you know? cynical. Not yeah. even uh, with the nudes. They're quite cynical also. Oh, yeah. Extremely cynical. <laughs> Just look at his face like, what? What do you want? What are you looking at? Jess Perkins, cynical nudes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's going on my list of potential festival show names. <laughs> Cynical news is a good name. Yeah. I like that. Uh, so we've just met our storyteller, Holden Caulfield, mm. a 17 year old living in America in the 1950s and cynical as hell. You're correct. Yeah, right. You know, puberty. Uh, hey? Thanks, everybody. We're all a bit cynical at 17. Not sure what's going on with our bodies. All, none all, none oh, of us want to talk about that David Copperfield kind of crap. No. no. <laughs> Magic. It's boring. Yeah, you want my backstory? Nah, Whoa. you're not getting it. Oh, make a tank disappear. Whoa. <laughs> Niagara Falls or something. <laughs> I think that was him. <laughs> so, but now, uh, narrator, he, tells us he doesn't want to give us his life story or too many details about his early life because his parents would freak out if he did that. But he wants to recount the story of the madman stuff, that's a quote there, that happened to him the previous Christmas when he was 16 and before he got, quote, run down and had to come out here and take it easy, end quote. So it's, yeah, imp- right. it's implied that he's in a hospital or sanatorium of some kind. Oh, I thought recovering. it was some sort of like meditation retreat. Yeah. I really misread that. <laughs> he is in Bali. You know what? I was looking at that with 2019 glasses on, you know? Come on, 1951. Yeah. Let's San- get it in. Sanitarium. <laughs> That's where is, he is. Is the, is the subtitle of this book, You Know What I Did Last Summer? <laughs> you will know what I did last yeah. summer once you read this book. But that's good, isn't it? That's great. Setting up a lot of, like, you know, hype. We know something, something's gone down. Yeah. Mm. Bit of drama. I love, bit, I love, mm-hmm. love that mm-hmm. in anything. A bit of an intro. A tease. Do you, I don't know if you, when I'm watching a film and this happens, there's something that happens at the start, then it keeps going, maybe 45 minutes in. Then I go, oh, yeah, the thing at the start. Mm. Like I completely forget about it. Mm. <laughs> I think it's reference. Oh, yeah. But I imagine some people are sitting there the whole time going, all right, when's this going to connect? But I just go on the journey and I forget. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so, he had a gun at the start. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if this is relevant, but when we did our, our, our show at the Comedy Festival, Magma, right, we wrote this like cold open intro where you like, we, we list a whole bunch of stuff that happens in this fantasy world, right? And then we did perform the show for two nights and – uh, all that stuff that was going to be, that was like, that that was referencing, calling forward to in the show, all got cut out because it was all crap. <laughs> <laughs> but we couldn't be bothered rewriting the cold open intro. So the cold open intro just references a bunch of things that then never happen again in the show. And I don't think anyone cared. So there was zero payoff. Yeah. Don't worry, Dave did not know. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't get that at all. Don't worry. Wasn't thinking about it. I move on. I move on with my life. You move on. But this, don't worry, this comes full circle. Beautiful. Foreshadowing there. Mm. Cynical so and cyclical. Yes. <laughs> the two big C's. Mm. I hope it's also conical. I'll mm. be looking forward to any really pointed round things <laughs> coming up in the plot. <laughs> yeah. i got to shut up. No. No, no that's redundant. No, that was gold. A, that's redundant <laughs> no, in a podcast. Yeah, the four big C's. you got carrot, clarity, <laughs> cut, and canonical. <laughs> if I even said the right word. Nope. <laughs> All right. But we move on. <laughs> so it's implied he's in hospital or something, and he's waiting for his brother that he refers to as DB to drive him home, and he expects to be picked up in about a month's time. DB mm. Cooper. Oh, all right. The bomb Cooper. Different. different is he his brother? 
you say? His brother, DB. Yeah, right. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> his brother is a successful and now wealthy Hollywood writer. Oh. But Holden resents him for selling out and going to work writing for the movies. Sounds like a phony to me. This keeps coming up throughout the book. He describes his brother as prostituting himself just because he's working for the man in Hollywood and not a novelist. Someone's jealous. Mm. He is a rather cynical young man, I've written here. Huh? Got yeah. that early. So but it also seems a bit like, you know, a bit of Salinger. Uh, Slinger, um, <laughs> doing doing a bit of you know that's he's, he's putting a bit of his own opinions oh, yeah. in there, isn't it? Because he sounds like a guy who who didn't want to sell out and then you know, to the point of not even wanting to sell any write anything. Mm. <laughs> yeah, Which the is point. the best way to sell out is Please. to have nothing that anybody wants to buy. That's <laughs> how I'm keeping keeping my integrity. <laughs> well, just don't sell your nudes. You want this? Yeah. You can't have it. <laughs> yeah, cynical nudes. <laughs> So that's his little uh, setup there. He begins his story from the previous Christmas, a few days before the end of term at Pensy Prep, a wealthy boys' boarding school over in Pennsylvania. For wealthy boys. Yes. Holden's family live in New York, and this is his fourth school after being kicked out of the others. Ooh, bad boy. And he's just been kicked out of this one too for failing four out of five of his subjects. Oh, it's not as bad as I was thinking. I mean, bad students, sure, but he's not setting fire to things. Did you guys fail any subjects at uni? At uni? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Really? Yeah. What is wrong with you two? <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what subject it was now. It was a, like, I think it was a PR one. Just failed it. I failed three subjects. Nice. That is so unbelievable to me. Yeah. I know. Because I look real smart, don't I? Yeah. And I yeah. know you are really smart. You are smart. very smart. You don't look it. No, no, no. Oh, you real don't bad. look it, but, but you are. Well, I know you are. Were you a bad boy? Were you setting fire to the bin in three of your subjects? No, I was just, you know, doing engineering. Wasn't really into it. Also, I got involved in the sailing team, and you know what those sailors are like. Mm. Fuck me. Right. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Pensy prep, am I right? Yeah, Other people prep. get involved. Like the way you said it, it was like you got in with the wrong gang and you got in with the sailing club. Well, on once there? upon a time, hanging out with sailors would have been really bad. <laughs> That's true. So when you got on there and no one had an anchor tattoo, were yeah. you, where am I? Yeah, we just trained really hard and got seasick. Did you just go shopping for boat shoes together? That's right. Boat <laughs> shoes. They were yachts, right? They were yachts. Yeah, we call them yachts. You put them under your feet and they look a bit like shoes, but they're yachts. <laughs> they're like those, those Healy shoes with a wheel, except it's got a sail. Sail. Sailies. This is good. This is big. I've got to go. <laughs> now, can I just say, uh, before anyone accuses me of being a massive nerd, uh, which no one's doubting that I am a massive nerd, but no. can I just say... In my defence, I was studying drama, and it's pretty hard to fail drama. Yeah, no, good call. Just putting it out there. Actually, you know what? I don't think it is that hard because I would have said the same about, like, art at school because art is so subjective, but I did not do that well in my photography class in high school. Didn't get the marks. Well, so he's failing He's failing school, so he's been kicked out. Well, Learners not only his grades he doesn't really care about, for he's, he was supposed to be in New York City with the school's fencing team, of which he is the manager. Oh. But he left their fencing equipment on the subway and the whole team had to come home because of it. The team were pissed off at him, but he found it funny in a way. It is kind of funny. It is a bit funny. Yeah. Funny. I think I'm withholding on this one. I also like that the team had to have a manager that was also a student. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like a teacher or an overly enthusiastic parent. It no, was these like. Are, these are pens- That's classic Pensy prep, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm. So now he's watching the important Pensy football match on the Saturday before Christmas, uh, the Saturday before the Christmas break started. But as he's not coming back, he goes to see his history teacher, Spencer, to say goodbye. Let me guess, that's the only subject he didn't fail. 
Actually, not true. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no. He goes and sees he's fond of Spencer but uh, and uh, tells him that he got kicked out, which he's a bit surprised at. And he said the principal of Pensy uh, told Holden that he was expelled because that life is a game that one should play it according to the rules. Oh, mm. don't like that. Spencer agrees with the principal, but Holden tells us, the reader, that it's only a game if you're on the right side where all the hot shots are. <laughs> the big wigs. There's more mm. cynicism there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He tells Ding. Spencer. <laughs> yeah. I'm counting the cynicism. <laughs> We're up to two cynicisms. Get ready to ding for the next hour. Okay. <laughs> he tells Spencer that the principal will write his parents to tell them about his expulsion on Monday and that he, they won't get the letter till about Wednesday. So he's got a bit of time before they find out. Yes. A window. <laughs> Holden then describes himself at what he looks like and he, uh, he tells us that he looks older than his age because he's six foot two and already has grey hair. Oh, no. He's 16. Buddy. That sounds hot. Oh, the yeah. kid. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking the teacher. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, he's got grey hair. You know what, kid? You don't know. <laughs> but it's the kid who has grey hair. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he's seen Dude, some things. No teachers being like, I look older than I am because I'm six foot two. I <laughs> know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm 45, but I look 47 because mm. of my height. Yeah. Because <laughs> you never stop growing. Did you know that? <laughs> the taller you are, the older you are. My grandpa's 100. Yeah. He's nine foot tall. He's so big. He's, <laughs> he's so massive. He's so big. He's, no, seriously, he's like dangerously big. You wouldn't big. even believe it. You wouldn't even believe it. My grandpa's huge. But he looks like 109. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's so big. Mm. <laughs> he has to get pants specially made. <laughs> no pants fit him. <laughs> he gets two pairs of pants and sews them together. He's that big. Whoa. Yeah. I, lo- I love this character. The My Granddad's So Big character. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody is out there boasting about how tall their grandparents are. And I think it's a whole new field of boastage. I actually do unexplored. have a very tall grandfather. Really? Yeah, he's like. Oh, so that was drawn from life. Yeah. He's not nine yeah. foot, I'll be honest. No. And uh, he's 90 something, so he's probably shrunk a little bit, but he, he's over six foot still. That's Why is good. that only eight foot now? <laughs> yeah. It's pretty impressive still. Yeah, he's shrunk a little bit. Because I'm only seven foot. Yeah. But. That's the great thing about podcasts. You can be as tall as you want. Yeah. Yeah. How tall do you want to be? Quite, you know, normal, I guess, average. Yeah. Four foot six. Four foot six. Average. Average. And a half. Anyway, we find out that Holden. I want to be four, four foot three, so that when Andy and I go out together, I can wear heels. (laughs) (laughs) I come along and I'm seven foot tall. Yeah, but I can stand on Andy's shoulders to have a chat to you. Just have a conversation. <laughs> Hopefully she takes the heels off first. <laughs> Ow, my back. I just love that. I love it when women say stuff like that. Like I just want a guy who's at least this tall so that I can still wear heels. I just find that very funny. Yeah, yeah. Because you get a short boyfriend you're like, oh, goodbye to all my heels. You have to bird them in the yard. <laughs> like you never wear heels. Why do you care? It does seem to be a bit of a, a deal breaker for some women that the height of a man mm. Mm. Or at least, but I think it's they it's were lying probably, to me. <laughs> <laughs> they needed that excuse. <laughs> but also, really, it, it it probably says more about the men ultimately that like they probably just had experiences with men who were unable to um, deal with having a girlfriend who's tall. Than them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so. just jump. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. We're stilts. Not practicing. off a bridge. Not off a bridge. Dave is not encouraging <laughs> no, that kind of behaviour. No, just be no. constant. No, no, just, hop, just jumping. Like hopping. Unlike Holden, I'm not cynical. I'm optimistic. You are. 
Yeah. We should really just take the average of how high your head is at all times, right? <laughs> it doesn't matter how. <laughs> it's, it's, so it's if you're always jumping. If you're always jumping, then you're at least, you know, if you can jump two feet, you're you're always jumping, you're at least one foot taller on average than you were yeah. otherwise. Yeah, wow. I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now you. your girlfriend can wear heels or even Thank those you. springy shoes that she's yeah. been wanting to wear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just want a man who's constantly jumping so I can wear my spring shoes. <laughs> I don't want to look weird. Yeah. <laughs> so he's hanging out with Spencer. Holden reveals that uh, English is the only subject he didn't fail. He's a good uh, writer, but history mm-hmm. he did fail. Holden uh, suddenly leaves and tells his old teacher not to worry about him. As he's leaving, he thinks he hears Spencer yell, good luck which depresses Holden. He says, I hope to hell not. I'd never yell good luck at anybody. It sounds terrible when you think about it. This is interesting. My grandfather never said good luck. <laughs> um, to bring up grandfathers again. Mm. My grandfather was quite short. Mm. Um, but he, good luck. he would not say good luck. He would say do well. Do well. Because he thought luck had nothing to do with it. Oh, oh I quite like that actually. Mm. Do well. Do well. I, I I enjoy it when people get very superstitious about good luck around theatre and stuff like mm. that. When they'll say like, "Oh, good luck!" <gasps> I mean, yeah. chookers, <laughs> break a leg, Macbeth. Oh god! <laughs> I find that a little bit funny, but also I won't say it. Chookers is an Australianism. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I realised as I said it, and I was yeah, like, "Quick, throw something like, what else the in there." Hell, is she talking about? Yeah. And do you know where that comes from? Apparently, because people, when they were just travelling, poor travelling theatre types, they wanted to have enough money to be able to buy chicken at the That's end of right. the evening. And if you had, a you know, f- where I got that information, probably from listening to Dave Warnicky on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Probably. I can't remember where I heard it. Is that was that day one of your drama degree? Yeah, they're like, "All right, guys, history of chookers." <laughs> Yeah, so if they if you had a sold out show, people would yell "chookers" because it meant you were eating chicken that night. Was chicken expensive? Yeah, too expensive for the. Oh yeah, that's trouble. fair. Actually, I've never eaten chicken as a drama graduate. <laughs> no, out of respect. That makes sense. Actually, mm. I remember my mum because my mum's one of many kids, and I remember her talking about that they didn't eat chicken, like that wasn't a regular thing they ate because it was really expensive. Ah, mm. there you go. Okay. I ate a lot of rabbit. Yuck. Yeah. Um, oh. <laughs> Yeah, my granddad never ate rabbit because they had to eat it too much on the farm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. There you go. Granddads. Very <laughs> relevant. Are they wacky? We've all mentioned Let's one. Let's start a new podcast where we just talk about our granddads. Oh, we'll do. Okay, great. I love this. <laughs> yeah, what will we call it? Granddaddy Chatty Fans. Oh, I like that. So he didn't even need to brainstorm. He's got a theme song as well. He just came straight out with it. <laughs> you are good. I've been thinking about this for ages. <laughs> yeah, we can tell. It's been a long time coming. Granddaddy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's the opening couple of chapters there. Okay. We've met our, our main man, mm. Holden Caulfield. How long is this book? It's about 240 pages. Is that big? Not really. Yeah. I think that's a, you know, a nice, that's a nice. To be honest, it's a good size for yeah. me, yeah. I felt. Yeah. Okay. Not, yeah, too, not, not intimidatingly, more. you know, 800 pages or something. Oof, mm-hmm. too many pages. Too many. Yep. Get How many there. pages is too many pages? 350 is too many, isn't right. it? Yep. Above that, that and be, that above. Yep. Yep. You, you'd like, I mean, get better at editing or make the by that point. Words you know? smaller. Make it a, put a sequel. Yeah. <laughs> make it a two-parter. Exactly. Yeah. To TBC, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To be continued. Could have written to be continued, but I didn't want to take up too much space. <laughs> TBC. <laughs> now, I've taken up more space explaining. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. But I'll save 
time in the future when I won't have to explain it again. <laughs> Far out, the more I go on, the more books I have to write in able to recoup the savings that I've made on calling this TBC. I better shut up right now, not write any more. Um, okay. Part two is only three pages. <laughs> Just TBC. me finishing this spiel. Yeah. <laughs> this spiel, TBC. <laughs> Hey team, just Dave here interrupting the show momentarily to tell you that this episode of Book Cheat is brought to you by Audible. There's never been a better time to start listening on Audible. Now, if you're not familiar with Audible, you get access to an unbeatable selection of audiobooks, including bestsellers, motivational stuff, mysteries, thrillers, memoirs, and more. And Audible has the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet, and now with Audible Originals, the selection has gotten even more custom with more content made for members. Each month, members can choose three titles, one audiobook and two Audible originals that you can't hear anywhere else. Listen on any device, anytime, anywhere, at home, at the gym, on your commute, or just on the go. And I'd like to make a suggestion. If you are on Audible, you're thinking about uh, taking up a subscription, something that I would suggest I've discovered very, very recently is some of you may know that I'm a big Agatha Christie fan a big Poirot fan and a big fan of David Suchet's adaptation in particular. Some of you know I'm a Suchet, big fan of the actor David Suchet, and I've recently discovered that David Suchet has narrated a bunch of Agatha Christie's best Poirot cases, and they are available on Audible. The one that I'm listening to right now is my all-time favourite Agatha Christie novel, which is Death on the Nile. Love the TV adaptation, and I love the adaptation with uh, the narration by David Suchet. So if any fellow Such or Agatha Christie heads out there want to get involved on that, that is my suggestion this month. So if you'd like to get started with a 30-day trial and support BookCheat at the same time, all you have to do is go to audible.com slash bookcheat or text BookCheat to 500-500. They'll know that you came through BookCheat, which is great for me. You'll get your 30-day trial, which is great for you. You'll be listening to Poirot on the beach. You'll be having the best time ever. So one more time to get started with a 30-day trial, go to audible.com slash bookcheat or text bookcheat to 500-500. Thanks for sponsoring the show, Audible. Now back to the catcher in the rye. In the next chapter, Holden goes back to his dorm room at Pensy. He puts on his new red hunting hat <laughs> that appears throughout the book. Don't know why that's funny. He just bought it in New I York. It, I think it is funny, though. A red hat in general. Like, like if, if, if we're not talking a baseball cap, mm. imagine any other hat. Do you know what? It's going to be real weird and this if is the it's one, red. It's got one of those ones that brings flaps down to keep your ears warm. Yeah, hunting hat. So I was at work the other day. And uh, I was getting a coffee downstairs and uh, there was a bunch of people, uh, members of the public, lining up out the front because there was some TV show being filmed. Uh, I'm not sure what show. doesn't matter. Uh, but there was six old ladies who all turned up, all of them wearing a red hat. That's weird. Two of them were wearing like red berets. One had like a little red bucket hat. One was just wearing a red fascinator. They, I don't know what... They would like why they'd coordinated their outfits like that. That's a signal. But all That's of a signal them... of something or some flash kind. Flash mob, flash mob. Mm, flash mob or like a, an attack. Yeah, I oh, think those yeah. 70 plus aged women, well, consider... they'd become radicalized. I, yeah. I consider a flash mob an attack. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you're right. Senses. I didn't sign up for this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I don't know the moves. This is changing my way of life. I'm stuck in the middle of this. Stop it. Put it in a theater. Help. Yeah. Anyway. So, That's yeah, red hats. Reaction. Weird. Well, he's got one and he turns it backwards. Oh, God. For a time. And he says, I know that's a little corny, but I like the way it looked. Yeah. 
He's alone in his room. He's happy to be alone as nearly everyone is down at the football game until he's interrupted by Robert Ackley, a senior who lived in the room next door to Holden, an unhygienic, pimple-covered guy oh. with a terrible personality. <laughs> he sounds hot. Yeah. Oh. He always uh. barked in on Holden and just hung around and invaded his personal space. It really ticked our main man off, asking him annoying questions, picking up his stuff, and then openly cutting his toenails in front of him, even when he's asked to stop. Oh, far out. Not, yeah. not what, is, this, is this including, like, coming into your bedroom and cutting your toenails yeah, in front yeah, of Yeah, it's someone? not even his room. They don't even share a room. He's in the room. That has door. got to be one of the most invasive and horrible things that you can do. And can I just say, he also borrowed the clippers. Aww. He didn't even be wear clippers. I absolutely would not lend somebody. Wait, no, I probably would. Clippers. Yeah, well, maybe. My clippers. Feels almost like a surgical impl- implement. Yeah. I, uh, I'd probably say, yeah, and then I'd put them in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of guy I am. That's where yeah, I'm at sure. mentally. Yeah, sure. Yeah, well, nice guy to your face, but inside I'm like, that is disgusting. <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. So ne- don't even think about it next time we're on tour. Is it okay? I did borrow your toothbrush a couple of times. Oh, God. <laughs> Different colour every time. It's like you were replacing <laughs> them in between. <laughs> 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 The only thing that saves Holden from Ackley's constant pestering is the return of his roommate, also an older senior by the name of Ward Stadlater. Stadlater. Sorry, Stradlater. 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 I hate it. <laughs> Stradlater was a good-looking buff jock. A real Dave Warnicky type, if you get my meaning. <laughs> anyway. Did you write that? Did you write a real Dave <laughs> yeah. Warnicky type? No, that's in the book. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the annoying guy Ackley, the anti-Dave Warnicky type, if you know what I mean, uh, Hated Stradlater and left as soon as the roommate appeared. Stradlater has a date and asked to borrow Holden's hound. Stradlater has a date later? <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> he asked to borrow Holden's uh, nice houndtooth jacket so he can wear it on the date. And he goes wow. to the. Sh- goes so to the- he's got a hunting cap and a houndstooth jacket. Mm. He sounds like um, a bit of a Sherlock Holmesy type. Mm. Right? Houndstooth. That seems like a Sherlock Holmes kind of thing. Yeah. It, sounds, it does sound. Holmesian. Mm. Anyway, sorry I said that. No, Went nowhere. <laughs> Stradlater goes to the showers for a shave and Holden, being as bored as he is, he goes to keep him company. Oh. And whilst oh, they're talking. He's just shaving. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was definitely thinking he was showering and I was like, all right, mate. Well, while they're talking, Stradlater asks Holden to write an English assignment for him since he's staying in anyway. Yeah. He asks him not to write it too well either as the teacher will know that <laughs> someone else wrote it for him. Stradlater, not so good at the English. Holden sees the irony of doing this work even though he himself is failing and being kicked out. The assignment is to write a detailed description of a room in a house somewhere. That's all you've got to do. Write okay. about a room. I like how this is just stuff happening. Stuff's happening. I know. We're moving into it now. Yeah. Holden asks Stradlater about his date and he doesn't seem to even remember her name. He guesses it's something like Jean Gallagher. And this something co- like this very specific. He name. says something like Jean Gallagher, and this causes Holden to nearly drop dead, because he knows that he means Jane Gallagher, a girl he used to live next door to and was very close with. He tells Did he Stra- have the hots for her. Oh, big time. Yeah, right. Ooh, he's got a crush. <laughs> <laughs> well, Holden t- and Jane <laughs> sitting in the tree. Uh, Jean. He tells Stradlater that the two used to play checkers a lot and gives a lot of detail about about her, but his roommate is completely uninterested. Is that what they called her? He doesn't even know her name. Yeah, playing checkers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I told you this was a pretty saucy book. We we all both know what they mean. Yeah, (laughs) chess. (laughs) (laughs) That's hot. (laughs) 
Holden asks him to tell Jane he says hello, but not to tell her that he's been kicked out of school. <laughs> he leaves for the date, and our main man just sits in his chair in his room thinking about Jane and Stradlater. He's not happy about it. That this mm. hotshot jock is dating the woman he's got the hots for. But Ackley barges back in, and for once, Holden is happy to see him as he is welcome, a welcome distraction, even if he just lies there squeezing his pimples. Far out. What a guy. Oh, yuck. No good. No, no good. good. I, I wonder, you know, I reckon he grew up in a family of boys. I just don't think that you learn good boundaries, you know, if you grow up in a family of boys. You need, you need at least one girl in your family so you can learn. Thank you. <laughs> You know, yeah. I would be cutting my toenails if you weren't here, Jess. Yeah, yeah. I know. I'd be on the table. It's the only thing that keeps us honest, man. We would both be cutting out. We'd probably both be cutting each other's toenails. <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah. Feet up in each other's laps, <laughs> clipping each other's nails. That's what men do when they just, get together and, and they're alone. Oh, and it'd be silent yeah. for about five minutes, and then we'd just say, "Isn't this nice?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just the boys. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't get it. Isn't this nice? <laughs> <laughs> and then we just sigh <laughs> uh, Think about the ocean <laughs> Is that what you guys do? Yeah, it's what men do That's adorable yeah. Women just punch each other yeah. <laughs> We just brawl It shows Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We get in a room and it's just farting competition <laughs> and wrestling match You are so feminine <laughs> Anyway, after dinner, Holden spends his Saturday night going into town with Ackley and another kid to see a movie, something that he's not that keen on because he hates movies. Of course he does. Sounds like he's not going to write this English assignment. But it turns out they've already seen the movie, so they just play pinball instead and then return back to their dorm. Right. Yeah, right. So it's actually still a bit early. Oh, Ackley- it's like, what, you didn't even look up the session times to know what movies? I mean, come yeah. on. So they went down to see a movie. Oh, so they would have just gone along not knowing what movie. Yeah, see what's on. They went- and then it would be one of those theatres where there's only like one movie on. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, Gregory Peck, we saw that last week. Yeah, yeah the film, Gregory Peck. Mm, <laughs> great movie. One of my favourite movies. Great movie. <laughs> Starring Robert De Niro. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Ackley again hangs about squeezing his pimple. Oh, stop <laughs> squeezing your pimples! He starts showing off to Holden about a girl he had sex with last summer. No, he didn't. Holden has heard Definitely. the story. Definitely didn't. <laughs> He's heard the story many times, and every time the details change a lot, so it's clearly untrue. Oh, okay. Quote, he was a virgin if ever I saw one. <laughs> nice. <laughs> After... <laughs> After many hints, he finally had to tell Ackley to leave so he could write the homework story for Strad later. Holden couldn't think of a room to describe, so he decided to describe an object instead. A baseball mitt that his younger brother, Ali, used to wear. I mean, that's not the assignment. This is insane. Mm. You can't think of a room, so you write about a glove. You're sitting in a room. You're sitting in a room. Failed three subjects. You're sitting in a room. Exactly. You're sitting in a room. But also, that's not the brief. And also. Just make it up. You're writing it for someone else. I'll make up a room right now. Yeah, easy. It's got eight windows. Right? The floor's made of jelly. See, it's easy. Easy. <laughs> well, he makes it very personal as well because the the mitt was covered in poems that his brother had written on it, so he had something to read when he was in the outfield. That was the plan. It meant a lot to Holden because his brother Ali had died of leukaemia a few years earlier in 1946. Oh, so this isn't DB. No, it's the young. Okay. No, it's the younger DB's brother. DB's the older brother. Yeah. brother and I'm um, sensing some sort of a catcher in a rye type scenario <laughs> is coming up. A catcher's mitt. Yes. Well, he tells us about Ali, who was two years younger than Holden, but is described as being 50 times as smart as he is and just a really nice kid. And he also wore loaves of bread on his feet. (laughs) 
but not sourdough. No. <laughs> or multigrain. <laughs> or a third option mm. of bread. Uh, uh, mighty, mighty soft they were not. <laughs> Neither were they olive. <laughs> they were, in fact, pull apart <laughs> from Baker's Delight. Oh. <laughs> the sponsor of this week's episode. <laughs> Well, it's obvious how much Ellie means to him because in the first six chapters, it's the first thing he's written about with any love or affection. Oh, mm. So fucking sad. He reveals. Stop swearing. I'm sorry. I don't well, know why I'm doing it. He reveals he slept in a garage the night his brother died and he broke the garage windows with his fist out of anger. Mm. He even tried to punch out the car's windows, but his hand was already broken. He missed the funeral because of his broken hand. Oh. Oh. That- he really damaged it. Do you have to send a note if you miss a funeral? Sorry, can't come to the funeral today. I've got Johnny hand. can't come to the funeral. <laughs> All right. Can we get the notes of everyone who couldn't come to the funeral today? <laughs> he can't come to the funeral. He's got another funeral. Oh. That's the only really That would trump it, really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> another funeral for uh, this time for an even sadder one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. It was a sadder funeral than this child dying. <laughs> Well, he wrote about the mitt, which he'd taken with him to Pensy and really enjoyed writing about it. He actually found it, you know, mm. I guess it's a bit of therapy for him in a yeah. way. Strad later comes home from his date later that night and reads what Holden has lovingly Strad written. Strad later came from back home from his date later. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you didn't see this coming at all. <laughs> well, I mean, Salinger or Salinger. Mm. Terrible writing because he did not include that. Mm. Yeah. Can I just say? Well, it was a different time. And I think that's why he became a recluse. He regretted that decision for Probably. the rest Beating of his Beating himself life. up about it. Yeah, yeah. I would struggle. <laughs> mm, really haunt you on those lonely nights. <laughs> so he's come back and he reads the, the, the description that Holden has lovingly written about his dead brother. But Stradlater gets annoyed because it's not a description of a room in his house, as he instructed, as yeah. Jess was annoyed about. Well, this sets a Holden off who tears up the story and starts smoking inside just to annoy his roommate, something you're not allowed to. He's like, hey, you've already been kicked out. And you don't care, but I don't want to get kicked out, so don't smoke in the room. So he just does it even more just mm. to piss off this guy. Mm. Holden asks him about his date with Jane Gallagher, the flame, and Stradlater plays it very cool and won't tell him what happened. All he will reveal is that he borrowed the basketball coach's car to pick her up. In. Holden asks Stradlater if he, quote, gave her the time in Ed Banksy's goddamn car. Okay. Mm. Made a move. Mm-hmm. And Stradlater says, that's a professional secret, buddy. Oh, yuck. Andy, you were a, a teacher for a while, weren't you? I was, yeah, for three years I was a high school teacher. Would you have lent your car to any of your students? No, but I don't understand how school works in America. Not even just in the renting, the lending cars for students <laughs> uh, scenario, mm. which, you know, is, is, it's, a, it's, a, it's a gray area. It's a difficult one, the best yeah. of times, right? Um, but what, what, why, like, how does high, what's high school? What's seniors? What's juniors? What's sophomores? Oh, okay. What's freshmen? What's all that stuff? It's all weird and I don't understand it. It makes me scared. Also, kids can drive when they're like 12, yeah, you know. <laughs> but they can't drive and drink until they're 48. It's very confusing in America. And they can't be president until they're 70. Yeah. It's, very, it's a confusing place. But they're probably confused by our system as well. Oh, you're right. Yeah. You know, I guess everybody looks at things from different perspectives. No. Is that the message of this book, Dave? And our yes, school years <laughs> our school years fit into calendar years. That makes I love a lot that. of sense. Yes. I love and that. And ho- your long holiday is over Christmas. Yeah. See, it just makes sense. It makes so much sense. God, we have a good year. Mm. We have a good year. <laughs> and shout out to all the Americans that we confuse. <laughs> 
Sorry. So he, said, he said, that's a professional secret, buddy. And this answer pisses our narrator off and he tries to punch Stradlater straight in the throat. Yeah, girl's not. <laughs> but he misses. <laughs> and he only connects a little bit on the side of Stradlater's head because he dodges it. And within a split second, Holden is on the ground with a much larger opponent pinning him down on the chest. He only lets him up when he promises not to talk anymore about the date. But when he's up, again he calls his roommate a moron and Stradlater strikes him and practically knocks him out and gives him a, a very bloody nose. Mm. Stradlater looks very worried that he's hurt him too much. He tells him to wash his face and then leaves. Wash your face. Bye. Yeah, gotta go. <laughs> okay. Have you guys ever talked about this on a podcast before? You ever been in a fight? Nah. Oh, I mean, with my brother, obviously. Yeah. And I think Dave, for, for too yes. long. Yes. You've ever been in a fight? In year seven once. Really? Really. And I was the Holden Caulfield of his fight. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> I threw one punch. Didn't make much what of a connection. What were you fighting about? Uh, my friend, a guy who went on to be my qu- close friend in years oh, after that. This is so good. This is such a great I've become a rival. Yeah. So yeah. he. He took my chips, and you did not mess with my chips. Mm-hmm. That was like my thing in mm-hmm. uh, school. Every recess, I'd have a bag of chips, and he took the chips out of my hand to get around. I'm like, absolutely not. And rather than grab the chips back, I just went straight for the face. So he took the chips out of your hand to in order to take a chip? Yeah. So he, he took the packet to take a single chip? Yeah, and I was not, not having any of that. <laughs> Far out. And I punched him, he's, and then he snapped. punched me in the head, <laughs> causing me to fall over and hit my head on the ground. And... Basically, I lay down for the rest of the races, <laughs> just being like, "Oh my god, I just got knocked out." And uh, yeah, went wait, on to be good friends. Wait, so wait, wait. I, my professional record is zero one, <laughs> one big losses, zero big TKO. Wins. Yeah, there was def- down was, for the recess. Technically, I was out. I was absolutely out. What you everybody is, you know, because it's a loose end here. What happened to the chips? Yeah. Did you lie down on the ground? Slowly eating yeah. the chips out of the, the chips, packet in front of you. The chips were returned to me. What flavour uh-huh. chips were they? So the moral of the, the story is violence works. That's right. The system yes. works. The violent system. And they were uh, plain, so, original salted. Oh, yeah. <gasps> Andy, you you been... punched a man over original salted? He loves original <laughs> chips. Yeah, no, no, do not mess with me and my I, chips. I, I, think I, was, I think I was in one fight in maybe grade three or something, but oh. I don't remember it very well. And I think it was probably with a boy called Kevin. And I think he had glasses, and I think the fight was because we were too similar, and there was only one ecological niche. <laughs> two little glasses, nerdy boys oh, in no. the playground, and I think, I think, yeah, I think, I think, I think we might have, might have, sort of just wrestled, might have punched each other. Yeah, I d- yeah, I don't really remember. I only yeah. found out fairly recently that um, the fact that my brother will still hit me is weird. <laughs> That mm. we're like we're adults, and he'll still pin me down mm. if necessary. I think any adult hitting any adult is—it's weird, a, a right? Crime. Yeah, uh, I think my brother sort of slaps me, you know, hits me with 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 towels and that kind of stuff. Yeah, now. okay, it's, it's fine. If I try and hug my brother because he can't express emotion, oh. um, he'll he will punch me and like he'll just sort of smack me in the ribs. Though, yeah, it? it is. Yeah. Well, our Holden, who is actually the Dave Warner kid of the story, because he is mm. uh, just been thrown one punch and had mm-hmm. the crap kicked out of him. He walks into Ackley's room uh, next door to him and asks if he can uh, sleep in his roommate's bed as he's away for the weekend. But Ackley won't let him just in case he comes home. He's not coming home. Ackley mm. just wants to have a wank in peace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
boys on boarding school. Crazy though that Ackley doesn't won't let him hang out in his room. Ackley's always in his room. Yeah, that's What's really hypocritical, on, Ackley. 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 You're too busy squeezing your pimples, are you? Ackley Yuck. more like I'd call it. That's what I'd call him if Ackley. I was at the school. That'd be that my nickname for him. Cruel. I'd be like, you're making it worse by popping him, mate. Just wash your face. Mm, Keep yeah, it clear clean. Clearasil Ultra. Keep it clean. Mm-hmm. Jesus, honestly. Well, they uh, they bicker a little bit, old Acne. Yeah, Holden. It's catching on. Uh, before deciding that he's had enough of Pensy and that he's leaving immediately, he plans to get a hotel room in New York City and just hang out until going home to his parents on Wednesday. Holden has uh, quite a lot of money from his birthday, something his senile grandmother sends to him four times a year by accident. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> to uh, Quarterly for- birthday? Yeah. <laughs> Happy quarterly. <laughs> but to further fund his trip, Holden wakes up a rich kid and cheaply sells him his typewriter for $20 cash, even though it's worth $90. Oh. On his way out, he takes one last look down the corridor, and as he is sort of crying, he doesn't know why, he turns around and he yells, Sleep tight, you morons! <laughs> burn. No, Wicked I actually burn. love this guy. I actually love him. <laughs> just like that, he's out. Yeah. I want to kill out. John Lennon now. <laughs> I tell you, mm-hmm. it'll do that. I just want to have a quick shout out to some of the incredible names in this book. Yeah. So many times, Holden, the way the story moves forward, if, and uh, I, it's probably hard for me to fully explain this, is he describes a situation and then he often has a flashback type. type. It was not exactly a flashback, but, he, oh, that reminds me of, and he goes back, even at the start of the book when he said, I only want to tell you about a certain time, he often flashes back to previous high school friends and things like yeah, that. Right. And uh, people he used to be in class with. And there are some fantastic names. And I just want to share some of those with you now. Mm. Often they're mentioned once and once only, like, oh, I went to school with a kid called Andy Matthews and he was blah, blah. And then you're never mentioned again. But mm. some of the names are just as good as the people I mentioned at the start of this episode that okay. suggested it. We've got Gertrude Levine. Yeah. Harris Macklin. Macklin's good. Al Pike. Mm. Curtis Weintraub. <laughs> Weintraub. <laughs> Richard Kinsella. Faith Cavendish. Rudolf Schmidt. Mm. Someone he sarcastically refers to as Commander Blop. <laughs> and my, my personal favourite, Dick Slagle. I tell you, all those names are so good, they could be the protagonist of their own novel. Oh, I think they should be spin offs for each and every, every one. Every single one. Yeah, that Dick would be my life's work. Slagle. Dick, oh, Dick, Dick Slagle, Slagle is an incredible yeah. name. I love it. I love that. He's an insurance salesman. <laughs> Insurance Schlegel and Schlegel. Schlegel and son. He's like, well, I don't have any sons, but it looks, sounds looks a bit, good. Looks a bit lonely if it's just me. You can't just have one Schlegel. <laughs> yeah. I thought maybe I will have the son. I got the sign printed to do two Schlegels at once. So I've got three daughters. Would you believe it? Yeah. They're called Schlegel as well, I suppose. Still makes sense. Sandra Schlegel. <laughs> Shirley Schlegel. <laughs> So Holden's left school and he walks all the way to the train station and catches the train to New York City. Catches the train. Catcher. Uh, oh, the catcher of the train. I get it. Once he's in the Big Apple, he gets a cab and after giving him his home address, the cab driver, and remembering he can't go home, he actually asks the driver to take him to the Edmont Hotel. He tries to start up a convo with the driver, asking him where the ducks in the Central Park Lagoon go in winter when it gets all frozen over. Really good question. I would Very like question. you, next time you get into an Uber or a taxi, that should be you. <laughs> Rather than how long you've been working, should be where do the ducks go? Oh, I reckon that's a great Does everyone else ask how long have you been working? <laughs> I thought that was mine. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, damn. Oh, uh, you've just started, have you? Oh, yeah. yeah. Out for a late night. No, okay. Uh, oh. oh. God, I thought I was so creative. <laughs> no, Andy. Where, do the, the, where do the ducks go in winter? Great. But the driver, 
I'm afraid in this instance it doesn't work. It completely, he's completely uninterested and asks the young man if he's just, if he's, are you trying to kid me? Are you trying to kid me? Like he's doing a bit. Mm. You're doing a bit? Are you doing a bit? Because don't he get into my bit. taxi and do a bit. Don't do a bit. Please don't do a bit. Bits killed my brother. Oh. <laughs> so the no, taxi driver. You, you die in the riff, you die in real life. Yeah. It's true. It is. It's terrifying. Ben Russell told me that. Yeah. We, uh, <laughs> We tread a fine line in we our do. industry. We do. <laughs> so he checks into the hotel after getting out of the unfriendly cab driver's car and he's taken to his crummy room, great use of the word crummy, mm. which overlooks the other side of the hotel and he's startled by what he sees. Also crumbs come from bread. Biscuits. Bread. <laughs> oh. Bread. Bread which could be what type of Bread. Light ride. Fairy bread. Fairy bread, correct. Oh, Yum. I love fairy bread, actually. <laughs> Catcher in the light ride. <laughs> Very different book. It's my favourite type of bread. Mm. Anyway, he looks over to the hotel and he sees uh, something that, stu- that surprises him. A man taking off his clothes and he's putting on stockings, a bra and a tight dress. He's like, what's going on here? And then in another room, a man and a woman, probably, to be honest, much more weirdly, are spitting liquid at each other and then trying to swallow what oh. they're spitting at each other. <laughs> it's quite sexy. I feel like family values are being undermined. Yeah, that, this is the, These are the examples. Mm-hmm. Listen to that. Holden then tells us that he thinks of himself as a sex maniac. Oh. But then a few paragraphs later, just, that's just because he's looking at stuff like this, but then a few paragraphs later he admits he doesn't actually understand sex at all. <laughs> Who does? Honestly, I mean, on the people no. that are spitting at each other, I'd say they don't. <laughs> they don't. They need to read a book. Yeah. Are, or we, something. are we doing this right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Sorry, I probably spat a little too much. There. It all went straight into my mouth. <laughs> well, and I loved it. And you I'm are turned on. You are now pregnant. I am <laughs> mouth pregnant. Holden admits to us. Holden admits to us that he once made a rule for himself that he wouldn't kiss girls he doesn't like, but then he broke that rule that same night. Yeah. I won't kiss girls I don't like. I don't I actually mean, like. I yeah. think that's a pretty okay rule. I hate you. Mm. Well, oh, well, I guess. Yeah. yeah. You know yeah. what? Uh, when you put it like that, it's yeah. pretty, pretty good. That's pretty sexy. Mm. He's confused. And lonely, and he's thinking about calling Jane Gallagher, his old neighbour, but he decides against it. Instead, he calls up a woman whose number a friend gave him once, a former burlesque dancer that he was told liked a good time. Her name, Faith Cavendish. Oh, very good. And by a good time, she likes karaoke. Yes, Mm. who doesn't? And getting an ice cream on the way home. But karaoke with people that you trust. Yeah. Because I don't That's feel v- like... You get vulnerable doing karaoke. A lot of people, like, I don't understand these people who are like, I'm going to go out, it's 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 work, I'm going to go out with all these people from work and do karaoke on a Friday. I'm like, ugh, my, no. My idea of hell. Yeah. I hate it. You've got, you've got to be so... You, these people, you've got to have 100% trust and, like... Nah, yeah. And have 100% alcohol in your blood. Correct. Yeah, I'd also, have to be yes. shit-faced. Yes. Honestly, and I know... Liquid trust. <laughs> I know it sounds stupid because I break into song almost every episode on our podcast, Dave. That's true. But I actually, my worst nightmare is singing in front of people. I will not do it. Yeah. I refuse to carry Did you have a bad experience it. at school? I was in the choir at school. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know at what point I was like, oh, can't do this anymore. But I had a similar thing with drama, right? I did a lot of drama all through school and high school and mm. then end of end of year 12 I was like, not never again. Yeah, and then got re- like turned off for the, like the next six seven years. Yeah, but then you're back. 
Yeah, sort of. So maybe a little bit. Maybe one day I'll You'll be. I'll be win Rod Laver Arena. <laughs> Better book it in now, just in case. You never know. Yes. <laughs> so Faith Cavendish, the karaoke one. Yes. He asked her if she wants to go out for a drink, but she says she can't, and she's a bit weird because it's quite late at night, and she's he's just randomly. Also, she her. hasn't met this guy, right? No. Yeah, also, he's a teenager, and she actually goes, "How about tomorrow?" And he goes, "I'm busy then," and then hangs up and goes, "Oh crap, I could have just met her tomorrow." Yeah. Oh well. I'm he busy then. Yeah. Here's another thing, though. That I think it actually feels great to be rejected. This Ooh. is my, my my private theory. Feels so good to be rejected, because you know when you put yourself out there like that, you're like, oh, it's only the first step, right? You you you, you ask someone out, but then you've also got to like if they say yes, you've got to like, go on the date. You've got to like you know you've got to follow up. There's all this stuff. There's so much more uncertainty that comes from it. You get rejected. It's like oh thank God, I don't it's have all to done. Do I don't have to do any of that stuff, and I know where I stand. Yeah, I feel theory. like that is that is true if you like being lonely. Lonely. <laughs> I feel like if you if you that's a good way to find out if you actually like someone or not. Actually, you're probably right. That that's has happened to me. Yeah. Whereas I I've told someone I had a crush on them and they said, "Oh, no thanks." And then I went, "Oh, thank God." <laughs> and turns out I just liked them as a friend. Just excited to have made a oh, new friend. That's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Still we, friends. We, we'd have been spitting into each other's mouths for like <laughs> half an hour at that point. <laughs> uh, I think I was just happy that was over, to be honest. <laughs> Can we stop spitting now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hello, Book Cheaters. Dave here to very quickly tell you that this week's episode of Book Cheat is brought to you by Care Of a subscription service that makes it easy to get vitamins, protein powders and more personalised just for you and delivered straight to your door. Now, I love services like this. I've got no time in my life, too many podcasts on the go and Care Of just makes makes life very, very easy. Give yourself a support this season with a boost, whether you're looking for energy, better sleep to maintain stress or something else to help you feel your healthiest. Care Of's fun online quiz asks you about your diet, health goals and lifestyle choices and takes only five minutes to find out your personal scientifically backed recommendation for vitamins, protein powders and more. Now, if you know me, you know I love a quiz, anything, especially if it's about me because I know all the answers. Well, I don't know all the answers, but I did once I went on Careof's website, very mobile friendly too, because it can be really hard to know what vitamins or supplements you should be taking, but Careof makes it easy to find out what you specifically need to be your healthiest. Your personalized care of subscription box gets sent to your door every month with personalized daily packs. Great for a busy on-the-go lifestyle, podcast lifestyle, and they even get your name on them. Vegan and vegetarian supplement options are available to match your dietary needs, and you can track your progress with the Care of app and earn rewards when you remember to take your vitamins. And the bonus there is that you remember to take your vitamins and you're feeling good. So if all of this sounds good to you, for 30% off your first Care of order, go to takecareof.com and then enter the promo code BOOKCHEAT30. That's three zero. For 30% off your first Care of order, just go to takecareof.com and enter BOOKCHEAT30. That's BOOKCHEAT30. Thanks to Care of for partnering with BOOKCHEAT. Now back to the show. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Then uh, Holden takes the time to think about his about uh, calling up his kid sister, Phoebe. So many decides, kids in this family. It's too late. Yeah, so she's the youngest of the four. One younger than Ali. And uh, Holden tells us about her and how smart she is and that he's the only dumb one in the family. That's Aww. what he says. Which I don't think is actually true. That's just, just what he says about himself. He doesn't have yeah, much confidence. He describes her as very funny but sometimes a little bit too emotional and it's obvious that the two are very, very close. Oh, emotional. Typical. He then starts thinking again about Jane Gallagher and uh, what she may have done with the roommate, Stradlater. Mm. He's pretty sure they wouldn't have had sex but still thinking about it a lot. He tells us that he and Jane were very close, even though that they were never physical. They just hung out all the time. He says, quote, you don't always have to get too sexy to get to know a girl. <laughs> Jess, lesson yeah, learned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lesson learned. Oh, here I am trying to get to know people. Just know. by Spitting in their mouths. Spitting in their mouths. <laughs> you don't have to do that. Touching their bums. <laughs> <laughs> well, the two met when his mother became irritated that the Gallagher's Doberman was continually relieving itself on their family's lawn and his mum called up her mum to complain. It's the origin of all great love stories. <laughs> yeah. Your dog is shitting on our lawn too often. <laughs> well, took Will a- you marry my son? <laughs> Well, it took a while for him to convince Jane when he ran into her once that he, did, he didn't care about the dog at all and the two developed a friendship and even held hands a lot. <gasps> Ooh. This is cute. He also admits that she's the only person he ever showed Ellie's baseball mitt to. Aww. That's a big step. That is actually mm-hmm. very sweet. But one day he tells a story about when they were playing checkers on the porch when her stepfather that Holden categorises as an alcoholic came to ask her a question and she refused to answer or even look at him. When he left, she started to cry and Holden held her tightly and kissed her neck and face. But that was the closest that they'd ever got to kissing. He then asked her if her stepfather ever touched her and she said no. And Holden still feels confused about why she was so upset that day. So he's just hmm. thinking yeah. about it. I'm confused too. Yeah, well, I, mean, no, I don't know. I don't think we'll ever know, to be honest. But still not satisfied to turn in for the night, Holden decides to go to another club called Ernie's that his brother used to frequent before he left for Hollywood. So he gets another cab, this time by driven by a man called Horitz. He asked the same question about the ducks. It's his go-to question. Mm. Where do they go when the Central Park freezes over? And I've got to tell you that the dialogue in this scene reminds me of an early Tarantino film, and obviously this came first. So I don't know if Quentin Tarantino is influenced by this scene. Basically, they have a crazy conversation about that. He's like, what are you talking about, kid? What are you talking about? He gets annoyed by the question and basically in summary says, what about the fish? The fish don't move. Mm. <laughs> and Holden's like, that's different. He says, listen, if you was a fish, Mother Nature would take care of you, wouldn't she, right? You don't think the f- them fish just die when it gets to be winter, do you? You're goddamn right they don't. Mm. What does happen to them? I think they, they probably live under the... Live under the ice. Under the ice. But, geez, there wouldn't be much oxygen getting down there, would there? Yeah. God, I think he's onto something here. Where <laughs> do the fish go? Maybe they turn into ducks. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, there are... Maybe they're frozen like, um, like Austin Powers. Yeah. Or, yeah, or Captain right. America. Some sort of stasis. And then as the ice thaws, so do the fish. I think fish being cold-blooded, their, um, their entire metabolism is capable of slowing down to an extreme extent so... during the cold, wintry months, which would maybe allow them to hibernate in some sort of a sense. There we go. Oh, my goodness. That sounds 
like a science teacher. And can like I borrow your car? <laughs> <laughs> you're, asking the one, you're asking the one person who caught the train here. Mm. <laughs> well, Holden invites the cabbie in for a drink and he replies, I ain't got no time for no liquid, bud. Oh, <laughs> all right. Yeah, right. An incredible line. Clearly not a fish. <laughs> <laughs> hmm, so why does he know so Another much about fish? of the fish? puzzle. <laughs> yeah. He sure knows a lot about fish for someone who isn't a fish. Hmm. <laughs> so alone, Holden goes to Ernie's and he doesn't end up staying long as he runs into his brother's brother DB's ex-girlfriend and not wanting to hang out with her, he tells her, I was just leaving, which he is annoyed at because it means he has to actually leave. Yeah. <laughs> he can't, he's like, it'd be weird if I just hung around now. Oh, I was just leaving. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> just stand still. So he walks back to his hotel, which is a fair distance, 41 blocks. That's oh. a lot of blocks. Yeah. But when he gets to the hotel, the elevator operator named Maurice asks Holden if he's looking for a good time. And he's like, what do you mean? And he says, are you interested in a little tale tonight? Holden tells him that he is interested in a little tale. And Maurice tells him he'll send up a lovely lady for $5. Whilst waiting, Holden admits to us that he, too, is a virgin. Uh-oh. He feels his problem is a lack of aggression. Oh, no. He feels emasculated, <laughs> yeah. A couple, he says a couple of times he's come close... But then a woman has said no and he stopped where he thinks other men would have just kept going. Uh. Now, we all know in that situation he's done exactly the right thing there. But in his mind, a teenage mind of the 1950s, he sees himself as weak because of this. So he's got a bit of a chip Uh, on his shoulder. I think you could leave the 1950s out of that sentence and you'd uh, have a lot of the problems with uh, today's uh, toxic masculine culture. Absolutely true. So he's emasculated because he sees... Hey, I'm doing the wrong thing here. When really he's doing oh, the right thing here. Well, and yes. everyone out there, that's the right thing. Yeah. Someone says no. Does he at any point refer to himself as a nice guy? <laughs> <laughs> no. Women don't like nice guys. <laughs> he does refer to himself as a bit of a crummy phony. Ah, uh, yeah. Women don't like crummy phonies. <laughs> but then this thought is interrupted when there's a knock at the door and it's a girl named Sunny who Holden Reasons is probably only about his age. She's in no mood for talking and starts to regret, and he starts to regret his decision when she immediately removes her dress. He asks if they can chat for a bit, and she says, "What's there to talk about? Ducks? Where do they go? <laughs> Use the question made." <laughs> it's clear that she just wants to get it over and done with. Holden starts to get very flustered. He tries to, and she tries to sit on his lap to seduce him, and he tells her that he's made a mistake and that he can't actually have sex because he's just had an operation on his what's it called? Oh. Then he remembers. He means his clavichord in his spine, which is actually a type of piano, but I think that's Salinger there having a bit of fun. Mm-hmm. He offers to pay the $5 anyway, but she tells him that it's actually $10. When he's like, uh, that's not what Marie said. She says it's 10 bucks. He refuses to pay any more than $5 and gets her to leave. So she's gone. Then he sits there and smokes for a bit, thinking about everything. He's almost constantly smoking throughout the book. It's mm. actually incredible. He has about three... Packets of cigarettes. And how old is he again? For us. Uh, 16 at this time. Yeah, wow. Crazy. He speaks out loud to his dead brother, Ali, something he says he does when he gets depressed. This is one of the saddest scenes in the book. He remembers a time when he and a friend went to shoot their BB guns and Ali asked to come too, but he told his little brother that he was too small to join them. He feels guilty about the memory and tries to right the wrong by saying out loud, okay, go home and get your bike and meet me in front of Bobby's house. Oh, Tragic. He says that over and over again. But suddenly, another knock on the door. He tries to pretend it's for someone else, but it's obvious it's his door. It's Maurice the elevator guy and Sonny, the lady from before, who have returned to demand another $5. 
Holden refuses to pay, so Maurice pushes him into his room. He threatens to call the cops on the duo, but Maurice counters and says he'd never do that because then his rich parents would find out that this kid spent the night with a, quote, whore. Holden starts to cry and Sonny raids his wallet, only taking $5, claiming she's only taking what she's owed. Holden starts to insult Maurice, who hits him in his stomach, and Holden hits the floor winded. So Damn. now he's, he's been punched in the face and in the stomach already in this book. Have you been winded? Yeah, oh, so much stuff. That, this is a, uh, this occurred to me recently. I don't reckon I've been winded in 20 years. I agree. Yeah. At some point, you just stop getting you winded. You stop getting winded. It's because you stop playing sports. I don't sports, know. That's what it usually happens. Like lunchtime. Got winded yeah. a lot at lunchtime. You yeah. Know? Oh, it's not nice. The beach. I think I got winded a fair bit at the beach. Really? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I think I was winded. Again, at the hand of my brother. Mm-hmm. He is quite a bit older than me. so At the was... hand of my brother. <laughs> Great sentence. <sighs> so he's been punched in the guts. He takes a bath and finally goes to bed. He considers jumping out the window to kill himself, but doesn't like the thought of stupid rubberneckers looking at his body when he's all gory. That's a good thing to think about. Yeah, there you go. His cynicism saved him that mm. time. He only sleeps a few hours, but when he wakes up, it's now Sunday morning, he decides to call up a girl he used to see called Sally Hayes. He's known her for years and used to think she was very intelligent, but had realised lately that he doesn't think so anymore. Quote, my trouble is, I always sort of think whoever I'm necking is a pretty intelligent person. Necking? (laughs) Well, that's what he keeps... I used to think it was mecking. I I, I thought thought mecking was like a whole new word. Mecking. (laughs) But, I mean, necking doesn't make that much sense either. No, it doesn't. Unless you're one of those mouth spitters and you don't know what's what. <laughs> hey, baby, want to go home and neck? <laughs> well, he calls her up anyway and asks if she wants to go to the theatre with him that afternoon and she said yes. Finally, someone wants to spend time with him. Sure. That's nice, I guess. But also, he, I mean, other people have wanted to spend time with him. He's pushing them away. Mm. That's true. Well, I mean, even the person that he paid to spend time exactly. with him. <laughs> wow. Uh, he's a bit of breakfast and gets going to some uh, and gets talking to some nuns and gives them a ten dollar donation. Even after they part, he thinks about how no one in his life would live selflessly like they do for charity. Thinks about his parents and everyone. He's like, oh, they live a better life. Before meeting Sally Hayes, he goes to find a record called Little Shirley Beans that he wants to buy for his little sister Phoebe. Mm. As he walks through the city, he hears a poor kid playing with his parents singing the song "If a Body Catch a Body Coming Through the Rye." Hearing the song makes Holden feel less depressed. Rye. Rye. Finally. Yes. More on that later. <gasps> he buys tickets to a show that he thinks Sally will like and he heads down to a park where he hopes Phoebe will be roller skating so he can give her the record. When he gets there, she isn't around and he asks some kids if they know where Phoebe might be. So this is his little sister. Yeah. So are his parents also living in New York? Yeah, so they live uh, on yeah, right. 44th Street. They're quite. They're very wealthy. Okay. His dad is a very wealthy lawyer. But he can't go home yet, or he doesn't want to go home. No, because then they'll know he got expelled, and then his dad will probably flip out. So he's just on a little mini staycation. Yeah. So he's just hanging out, mm, and, he, and he sees a young kid and says, "Do you know Phoebe?" And describes her, and he, the kid says, "Actually, yeah." And he's like, "Well, I'm her brother. Do you know where she is?" And the kid says, "She might be at the Natural History Museum," but then remembers that it's Saturday, uh, Sunday, and not Saturday, where the kids usually go on their weekly school excursion to the Natural History Museum, which makes Holden reminisce about his own weekly excursions to the museum. Every week they go to the same spot on a Saturday. I've been yes. to that museum. It's bloody great. But would you go every week? Yes, right. I would. And it's got these amazing dioramas. 
They're the best. I do like a diorama. And he writes what he loves about it. He loved how everything stayed in the same place and no matter how he felt, it was always the same. Oh, he, he likes consistency. He could get older and feel different, but the museum always stayed the same. I reckon it's still the same. You go along these dioramas, they're incredible and they look like they've been there for ages. Or animals Since and stuff. Since 1951. And different scenarios. What scenarios? scenarios? Oh, the desert. Oh, the hills. Cool. Probably the savannah. Yeah. Okay, now Alpine, I'm on Alpine environment, probably, no yeah, doubt. No doubt. Well, in the afternoon, Holden meets Sally and they make out in the taxi on the way to the show, or neck, if mm. you will. During the intermission, Holden Does gets... Does he ask his duck question? <laughs> no, Too neck. busy necking. Yeah. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> Kids don't have time to ask duck questions anymore. <laughs> no, they're always necking. They see the show, which he doesn't love, but uh, during the intermission, Holden gets annoyed because Sally starts flirting with a pompous kid from another expensive school. But after the show, they go ice skating. Wow, what a date. Yeah, it's a beautiful date. After they get food and Holden starts to go on around about his life and how he hates all the phonies, there you go, phonies, mm. at his school and New York City itself. It's full of phonies. I'm going to start calling people phonies. That's it. That's my New Year's resolution. Yeah. <laughs> <In May>. yeah. <laughs> he asked Sally if she'd run away with him and head into state where they, he'll get a job and they can get married and live together in a log cabin. He really goes oh off on this God. tangent. Oh, my God. Sally He's tells a him, breakdown. He tells him that the idea is foolish. Well, she tells him that the idea is foolish and they have plenty of time to do that stuff now, but they're still basically just kids. She tells him to stop yelling and he starts speaking too quietly the other end of the scale and finally he gets fed up and tells her that quote she is a royal pain in the ass she starts to cry and even though he profusely apologizes she is very very upset and eventually she leaves he admits to us that he didn't know where he got the idea from and that really if she even wanted to go that he wouldn't have let her come with him <laughs> quote the terrible part though is that i meant it when i asked her that's the terrible part i swear to god i'm a madman he says Oh, you're lonely. Yeah, it's and you're a teenager, lonely. right? Confused. Yeah, hormones, am I right? Hormones, that's what it is. They're raging. You do you do have such a tendency to think when you're a teenager and that sort of thing. You think, all my problems, I'm the only person who has these problems. Yeah. Like, whatever I'm going through, I'm the only person who goes through it. Like he this. definitely is feeling that throughout No the one gets me. That's it. Well, he goes to a bar and gets really, really loaded. Really, really loaded. He, he drinks... Okay. So much he gets really drunk. He calls up Sally, the one that he called a pain in the ass, gets on the phone to her. It's late at night now. Her grandma answers and refuses to put Sally on. And the slurring is actually around. He's like, put Sally on. I want to talk to Sally. <laughs> but Sally grabs the phone when she realizes how drunk Holden is because she can hear the grandma talking to him. And she tells him to go home and then hangs up on him. Drunk Sensible. Off- that <laughs> sound intelligent. Actually. He yeah. does not listen. Drunk off his face, he goes into the restroom and dunks his head fully into the sink. Oh. Soaking himself. I was scared he was going to do it in the toilet. How, oh. how crazily high is the level of the water in American toilets? <laughs> <laughs> you could dunk your whole head in. It is, but this is a thing. This was a plot point in so many teen movies and that sort of thing, people getting their heads dunked in toilet water. But you come to Australia, the water's so low. I always, I'm always like, like I would look at the toilet as a kid and be like, how do you get, to, how do you dunk somebody's yeah. head in there? The water's so low. Long how hair, maybe. Tiny get, head. Tip my ponytail in there. Tiny head. Maybe. But in America, but the America, like, the water's like it's probably almost touching your bum. Yeah. That's how high it is. <laughs> it's freakish. Yeah. Oh, I don't like that. Don't like a wet bum. Well, he's drunk up his face, and now he's covered in water, and he decides to uh, go for a walk. He leaves the bar. And he uh, gets very upset when he drops Phoebe's record and it shatters everywhere. No. He picks up the broken pieces and puts them in his pocket. All and this he just stuff with him and his siblings is breaking my damn heart. Yeah. Oh, it's very tragic. He decides to go and see if the ducks in the in the lake are in Central Park because it's mm. winter. He wants to see if they are actually And there. his hair's wet. He's going to get so cold. Well, he realises how cold he is when he gets there because his hair has icicles on it. 
He starts to panic and thinks he might get pneumonia and die, and he worries how Phoebe would feel if he did die, so he decides, now drunk of his face, to walk over to his parents' house, sneak in to visit her. Oh, no. He arrives at the parents' apartment building, they're very, very wealthy, and he takes the elevator up. Luckily for him, the regular elevator guy isn't there, so he doesn't get recognised. He sneaks into his house, holding his breath to avoid waking up his parents. He goes to Phoebe's room, but she's not there. Instead, she's sleeping in her older brother DB's much larger room. So he goes into her into his room, and he just watches her sleep for a while. Oh. He talks about how kids, and I, I think it's actually quite true, kids always look cute when they sleep, but adults look terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen me sleeping? My eyes are half open. I have. Oh. <laughs> Mm. Oh, I have. Thank you, thank you yeah. so much. Yeah, and it, I got to say, you looked really scary. I felt very uncomfortable. Thank yeah. you, but I did stay for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but sleeping kids, so cute. Mm. And once again, if you stand and watch them for a really long time, mm. you're a creep. Yeah, Leave. adults, adults look terrifying. Yeah, it's very true. <laughs> well, he watches her sleep, and then he starts reading some short stories that she's written, and you know, he sort of. Thinks about her a lot. Eventually he wakes her up and she's very excited to see him, telling him about a school play she's in. But then she twigs that it's a bit strange that he's home a few days early and in the middle of the night. And showing how clever she is, even for a kid, she guesses that he's kicked out of another school, (laughs) which he denies at first, but she's too clever. And she says, Dad will kill you. Mm. And she gets very annoyed and won't look at him because she knows it's going to tear apart the family. Holden tries to justify failing, telling her that he hated school and everyone in it. But she tells Holden that he just hates everything something that he denies, but then she challenges him to name one thing that he likes. Aww. But he can't concentrate. His mind is distracted, first of all, by the nuns that he met at breakfast and the memory of them, and then also the memory of a boy named James Castle who was bullied by his classmates and jumped out of his dorm room to his death. And he was wearing a, a skivvy or a cardigan that he'd borrowed from Holden. So these yeah, are the right. things going So Holden's kind of more mad that he didn't get that yeah. back. <laughs> yeah, he's like, that, that's ruined. You couldn't have been wearing your mm-hmm. clothes. Mm-hmm. Gee, yeah. we, I loved that. Loved that. It was my favourite. And I mean, rest and, in peace. You, know, but... you go down there, you're trying to drag the cardigan off a dead body. <laughs> Everyone yeah. says, oh, all he's just grieving. No, like... I want my, my new cardigan. <laughs> we all grieve in our own way. <laughs> <laughs> Some of us try and strip the body. I tear the clothes off the corpse. <laughs> you know, who are we to judge? <laughs> <laughs> Some people cry. Some people mm. laugh. Some mm. people take clothing. Yes. Well, he's finally able to answer his sister and tells her what he like what he likes. He says, "I like Ellie, and I like talking to you right now." And she answers by reminding him, "Ellie is dead." Brutal. Finally, t- Holden tells her, "I know what I want to be." He says, "You know that song of a body catch a body coming through the rye? I'd like." And then she cuts him off and says, "That's not the words. It's if a body meet a body coming through the rye." And she tells him, "It's a poem by Scottish poet Robert Burns." Oh. Hmm. Robert Burns. And he replies, "Oh." This is a quote now. I thought it was if a body catch a body. Anyway, I keep picturing all these little kids playing some game in this field of rye and all. Thousands of little kids and nobody's around, nobody big, I mean, except me. And I'm standing on the edge of some crazy cliff. What I have to do, I have to catch everybody if they start to go over the cliff. I mean, if they're running and they don't look where they're going, I have to come out from somewhere and catch them. That's all I'd do all day. I'd just be the catcher in the rye and all. End quote. Yeah. So that's where the title comes from. Huh. You know, I, I always had a picture in my head that the catcher in the rye was a reference to, I, for some reason I had a theory in my mind about what it was referring to, was that it was, you know, when you're, you've got, um, you're playing cricket or whatever it is, right, and you have your di- different fielding positions. Yeah. And you see, if, you, if, you, if you were a really bad fielder, the coach might send you way out 
you know, to the point where you were in like some neighbouring field full of <laughs> rye. And I thought that was what it was a reference. Yeah. <laughs> Catcher in the rye because that's that w- I would relate to that. i got to tell you, I may have just misinterpreted it. No, no, no. <laughs> you read out the words word for word. <laughs> and I may have misinterpreted it. Okay. I mean, well, thanks for leaving that open as an I option. I don't know as much about cricket as you, obviously. No. So maybe. And cricket, cricket hasn't been mentioned. In <laughs> but we assume that's what he's talking about. Robert Burns was Scottish. <laughs> Scotland near England, yeah. and they uh-huh. play a lot of cricket. There yes. we go. Okay, this is making more sense that now. Sense? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it does. Also, catch wasn't the word used in the poem. But anyway. Mm. <laughs> no, <it's, laughs> I find that fascinating. So oh. he leaves, leaves for the night before oh, his parents come home, actually, because they've been out at a party, and then he mm. quietly leaves for the night so they don't catch him. Uh, Holden is a bit confused. He decides to leave town forever, but first he wants to say goodbye to Phoebe. This is the next day. So he goes to her school and writes her a note to come and meet him on her lunch break at the museum. It's time the art museum. He gets very annoyed when he sees that someone has graffitied the words fuck you multiple times around the schoolyard. He doesn't like the idea of kids being exposed to the word, which in a way is ironic because over the years many people have wanted to ban the catcher in the eye to avoid exposing their children to that phrase, fuck you, that he is annoyed at kids seeing. That's incredible. Wow, it's so <laughs> meta. He's like, it's like, no, the narrator doesn't like it either and people, all these uh, crazy people see is, well, the words fuck you are there, so yeah. we've got to ban it. Great. Hmm. Imagine conservatives taking things out of context. <laughs> Well, he I goes. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying there, but it felt, felt clever to say yeah. at the time. Something about the Bible. I was, I was impressed. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> well, Holden goes to the museum and momentarily passes out in the bathroom whilst waiting for Phoebe. It's been a big few days. Why? Yeah. Is but pass out from what? Pardon? Mm. What's, he, what's made him pass out? Well, I mean, he's had about four hours sleep in about three days. He's gone on a massive bender. He's been punched in the face, punched in the guts. Yeah, okay. He's no, walked all fair. over town, frozen himself solid. Mm. Probably hasn't eaten a decent Smoked one. about yeah, four really packets decent. of cigarettes. Yeah, okay. We talked yep. about. Yep. So he momentarily passes out, but he gets up. He doesn't think much about it. But then Phoebe finally arrives to meet him, and she's dragging a suitcase with her. She got his note about leaving forever, and she wants to go too. Aww. He tells her no one to shut up, being unusually short as he feels like he's about to pass out again. He's like, I would never usually say this, but I felt terrible. <laughs> he keeps telling her she's not going and to shut up and Phoebe gets very upset and refuses to look at him again. He asks her if he promises to stay in New York and come home that night and to give her the rest of the day off school if she'll go back tomorrow. If she'll go back to school tomorrow, that is. But she won't answer. He asks her if she wants to go to the zoo and again she doesn't answer. But he just starts walking towards the zoo and she follows him across the other side of the road. So together, kind of, they go to the zoo. She silently follows him around and then they walk to another small park. They're still not walking quite together, but they arrive at a carousel and he asks her if she'd like to go for a ride. She says she's too big now, but Holden buys her a ticket and she does go on. Holden watches her on it and asks if she wants to ride again. She invites him to join her, but he says, I'd just like to watch. Before going on again, she tells him, I'm not mad at you anymore. He says, I know. It's quite nice. Before she gets on the ride again, she asks Holden if he meant it about staying in town and not leaving, and he tells her that he is going home. He'll stay. And he reveals to us that he wasn't lying because he did go home after this. But back to past tense here. As Phoebe got into the carousel, it started to rain, but Holden just sat on the bench getting wet. He didn't mind. He felt happy all of a sudden, and he was damn near bawling. This is a quote from it. It was just that she looked so damn nice. The way she kept going around and around in her blue coat and all. God, I wish you could have been there. End quote. The final chapter is less than a page and snaps back to the writer at present. He says, quote, And that's all I'm going to tell about. I could probably tell you what I did after. I went home and how I got sick and all and what school I'm supposed to go to next fall after I get out of here, but I don't really feel like it. 
I really don't. Holden speaks of being asked by a psychoanalyst if he's going to start applying himself to school again. He says he doesn't know. How would anyone know until you get to it, he says. Mm. How do you know how it's going to be? Mm. Finally, he writes that DB, his big brother, has been asking him lots of questions about everything he just wrote about. And our narrator tells us he regrets telling so many people about these few days. But the final line is, quote, about all I know is I sort of miss everybody I told you about. Even old Stradlater and Ackley, for instance. I think I even miss that goddamn Maurice. It's funny. Don't ever tell anybody anything. If you do, you start missing everybody. End quote. That is how The Catcher in the Rye finishes. Don't ever tell anyone about anybody. Uh, If you do, you start missing them. Yeah, I guess it's like reminiscing about things and sort of looking back on your life. Yeah, Mm. okay, a bit of nostalgia. I guess guess that makes sense. It was very confusing until you said that. Didn't explain it really well. (laughs) (laughs) But prior to that, that was was, was really fascinating and lovely. And thank you very much, David. Yeah, well done, I I just want to ask you how you feel about the end. So it's been debated over time whether because he is an example of a classic unreliable narrator, Mm. mainly because he contradicts himself a lot. And in Chapter 3 he even tells us, he warns us basically, he says, Quote, I'm the most terrific liar you ever saw in your life. He even says that directly to us. And because he's a teenager and, like you said, this is through the prism Mm. of a 16-year-old dies. Mm. And he does sound a bit mentally fragile. Yeah, Yeah. that kind of stuff. And he sort of acts like everyone's against him kind of thing. So people have debated about the end, about whether he just wanted to give people a good ending about, you know, a bit of happiness at the end or whether this was the turning point. Because it's basically the only happy moment in the book is at the end. When he's sitting on the... Yeah, watching her. Watching her. Like what, that he might have been making that up? Well, not making it up, but just sort of, yeah, is he actually happy? Has has he changed? That's what people debate about. Well, I would say maybe he hasn't changed, but he's like even if you're still a messed up little guy, you can still have a moment of happiness, right? Mm. But also, I mean, (laughs) it's so funny to be like, is this is this true? Right? Is this is is this made up character telling us a made up truth? Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> truth is right. this thirty two year old writing as a sixteen year old yeah. telling the truth? Yeah, I don't mm. think I don't think he was about the thing that he said that he was saying. I know, but yeah. that's the kind of question that you ask in an English class, though, isn't it? You're right, and you can never. And then you get marked on it, and it's the teacher's like, "I disagree." Well, it's fictional. I had a yeah. I, I had a thought where I was going to be like, it was going to be like uh, that his, his his little sister turns out she wasn't really there or something like that. You know, so that she was dead as well. She was dead or something like that, or she never existed. Oh, you thought it was going to be a little yeah. twist at the yeah, end? Yeah, well, I thought it was, it was, it was an option. But I then thought, how would that be revealed? Because it doesn't make sense from his. I thought he was going to leave while she was on the carousel. Uh, just kind of like watch her and then just Yeah, because she's trapped on the carousel. She can't get off. Can't get off. Why would you want to either? It's a carousel. <laughs> no, no, I'm having Whee! a good time. Hello, I've got my suitcase. Where's my brother? He's gone. Mm. He just disappears into the night. No, it sort of just leaves it on a note and you go, oh. You know what, I might, I might actually go and read that book. It sounds really good and I related to a bunch well, of stuff. I wanted to, yeah, so I wanted to ask you, I always get you guys to review it, score it out of five. Andy, Based on what feel? I heard just then, I will give that a five out of five. Five out Whoa. of five? Full score. Yeah. Yeah. Just rare I'm, from, I'm not hesitating. From the yeah. Jessica? Full score. I'm going to go like a three and a half. Three and a half, that's absolutely fine. Yeah. I, I think know it's, it is. I it's think, my opinion. But I think, I, think, I, think it's a, I think it's a teen boy thing as well. Well, yeah, I think that possibly. maybe that also might be for me because I also gave it a five out of five, and yeah, I would right. suggest it to people if you want to read it. You really should because I really liked it. Yeah, great. Yeah, and uh, you go through moments where you're like, "Oh god, this kid is annoying," like because he complains a lot about stuff, and then there's some homophobic moments in there when he's sort of describing people, mm. and then like a l- little bit of sexist stuff, and it's annoying. But then you go, 
overall probably captured the teenage experience quite well here. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I think really... I've repressed a lot of my teenage years, to be honest. Well, that, maybe you should read this and teen uh, angst. <laughs> see if I, you relate I, to it too. I mean, uh, yeah, didn't have anything to these kinds of extremes, but like, you know. You, you didn't run different... away from home and stay in a hotel for a few nights? Oh, yeah, no, I did that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Of course, obviously in New York. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, I think, in general, all the all the all the, mm. all the uncertainty, the, the the feelings of isolation, the, the 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 thinking that you're special by being weird, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I, all that. Mm, I actually left out a bit just for time, but he does meet an old teacher who says that to him. He says, "One day you'll grow old, older and you realize it's you're not the only one going through this." Mm. Which is yeah. Wise words, wise words if you are a teen listening to this. You're not the only one going through this. I mean, unless we, we haven't looked at the download statistics recently. Yeah. You, you might be the only listener. Like, <laughs> yeah, that could be true. That could be true. But uh, before we go, thank you so much for joining me. You both have some podcasts. Yes. But I'd like to push people towards one, quite selfishly. Dave, very cynical. It's the one that I do with you, Jess, to go yeah. on. If people want to listen to our other show where we talk about Things from history. It's heaps better than this. Mm. <laughs> well, that's why this is. Well, spin-offs are rarely better. <laughs> They're rarely better. Let's be honest. I'm only on four episodes of this one. I know, but you're on over 185 of the other one. Yeah. So get out there. So. And Eddie Matthews. Statistically, you're... that one yeah. sounds better. <laughs> your fantastic podcast. Two Thank you. A show called Two in the Think Tank um, with Alastair Tremblay Birchill, who's also been on this podcast. That's right. We talked about the seagull together, you, mm, me, and Al. Yeah, and uh, you, you come up with sketch ideas. We usually do. Five. We, we come up with five sketch ideas on that podcast. And um, recently, we took some, turned some of those ideas into a show. So there's actually, you know, there's, there's, there's worthwhile stuff in there. Absolutely. And let me just say, I believe you're bringing the show back. It was at the Melbourne Comedy Festival last month called Magma, which you mentioned before. Yes. And. Jess and I saw it together. I've got to tell you, I saw over 20 shows at the Comedy Festival and it was my number one pick. Okay. That's insane, Dave. Thank you so much. That's very I, lovely. I absolutely loved it. So if, if you happen to listen to it now or this episode closer to September when the Melbourne Fringe is on, do yourself a favour. Make sure you see it. Can't well, recommend enough. Come to Australia from wherever you are. That's um, right. I believe we have all 18 continents represented. A lot of continents that their name starts with the letter A. Anyway, something to think What's about. With What's with that? What's with that? Yeah. Well, yeah. before we go. One thing you might be wondering is where do the ducks in Central Park go in winter? Oh my god, you looked it up. Well, you according up. to centralpark.com. <gasps> the answer is that most stay put in Central Park. While some will migrate south during the winter months, it is not unusual to see them huddle together around the various bodies of water in the park. Oh, it must be so cold. So they just huddle together. All huddled. Also, huddle is a great word. Really good word. Love and it. That's something to Love really... to huddle. Yeah. Almost an anagram of Holden. Okay. Whoa. Thank you. Thank and you. Good night. Thank you and good night, guys. Thank you so much for joining me. We'll be back soon. Thank you. Thank you, David. David. Bye. Bye. And the podcast doesn't end there this week, book cheaters. We're going to do things slightly differently this week. So Jess and Andy had to go because of a little old podcast called Primates was in the studio straight after us. And I don't want to start beef with any podcasts, but if I did, it would definitely be with primates, those goddamn monkey-loving nerds. But uh, no, Matt Stewart had to come into the studio, so we had to wrap things up there. But I, of course, have to shout out to some of the fantastic people that support the show on Patreon. If you're not familiar, Do Go On has a Patreon. It's the other podcast I do with Jess and Matt. 
And because of the Patreon, we have been able to start the spin-off shows, Primates and Book Cheat. So we give rewards to people that support all three of the shows on the one Patreon, just to make it easier and less confusing for everyone. So if you want to support the show, keep Book Cheat rocking and rolling, but also supporting Do Go On and Primates at the same time. And you get two bonus episodes of Do Go On every month. You can now support the show at patreon.com slash do go on pod. And one thing I like to do is people that support the show that like book cheat have told me their favorite books and I read out their names to thank them and read out their favorite books to spread the word far and wide. So three people that I would like to thank this week for supporting book cheat. First of all, I would like to thank Tanya Miles. Thank you so much for supporting the show, Tanya. Tanya tells me her favorite book is A Tree Grows in Brooklyn by Betty Smith. The main character, Frances Nolan, is a beautiful, lovable girl coming of age at the turn of the 20th century and always looking for joy and gratitude, even during the darkest moments of sadness and poverty. There you go. Thank you so much, Tanya. Possibly the precursor there to The Catcher in the Rye, coming of age story set in Brooklyn. Nice one. Appreciate that. I'd also like to shout out and thank Billy Amatniks. I'm almost certainly saying that wrong there, but I appreciate your... Support here, Billy. Billy tells me my favourite book is the complete Harry Potter series. I know, I know, so many people say this, but it really ignited my love for reading when I started reading them when I was 14, which is 18 years ago. I have since been a massive reader. There you go. I really think J.K. Rowling inspired a huge generation of people to read. So so as well as the books being a great story themselves, thanks to J.K. for doing that. And thanks to Billy. Appreciate your support. I'd also like to thank, finally, Jacob Hinkle, who tells me, my favourite book, Dune by Frank Herbert. is probably my favourite novel of all time. Giant worms, psychedelics, and life-changing philosophies. If you're looking to sci- for sci-fi classics, this should be top five. And I've got to tell you, Jacob, a lot of people have told me and suggested that I do Dune. I did see a copy of it on the shelf. It is quite thick, and I have been told that it is, at first, a very difficult read. So I'm not sure how soon I'll get to it, but if I am going to do some sci-fi, maybe it will be up there. Maybe it will be in my top five. (laughs) So thank you to Jacob. Tanya, Billy, Jacob. And if you want to be like these legends and support the show, just go to patreon.com slash dogoonpod. There's a link in the description of this episode. And yeah, even a buck a month helps. So appreciate all the support. And to all the people still listening to the show, if you want to get in contact at any time, I've got an email, bookcheatpod at gmail.com, as well as at bookcheatpod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you want to follow me, that is very, very nice. Or give the show a review. Share it with your friends, all that kind of stuff. That always, always helps. So thanks for listening to this little bonus edition of Book Cheating in the Rye. We're going to call it at the end of the show. But until next week, suggest a book via the link below. But until then, I'll say thanks for listening and goodbye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you.